0: Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I am Dr. Jeanette Hasse, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. The October 2016 issue of NCP explores topics related to intravenous fat emulsions. So joining me today are Dr. Ann Bees-Boer and Dr. Nancy Seer, co-authors of the paper a Product Review of Alternative Oil-Based Intravenous Fat Emulsions, which is published in the October 2016 NCP issue. Dr. Beesbohr and Dr. Steer are with Concordia University, Wisconsin School of Pharmacy in Mequon, Wisconsin, so thank you for joining me today. Before we start a discussion, I just want to ask our speakers today if they have any disclosures on the topic that they would like to share. Dr. Steer, do you have any disclosures?
1: No, nothing to disclose.
0: I'd like to ask Dr. Beesbohr if she has any disclosure to share.
2: I do not have any disclosures.
0: Well, thank you. So this question is for Dr. Beesbohr. We know that for patients who are dependent upon parental nutrition, IV fat emulsions play a valuable role in providing calories and essential fatty acids. However, there are some drawbacks with the current formulations that are available in the U.S. So can you explain what some of those limitations or drawbacks are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there are three main types of limitations that are associated with IV fat emulsions and particularly related to the specific source of the IV fat emulsion being the fat base being whether it's soybean based or fish oil based or whatever it may be. And those three main types of limitations are the inflammatory effects that are related to the base, the potential for allergic reactions that can occur and then the potential for the development of parental nutrition associated liver disease.
0: In your paper, you also mentioned that there appears to be a link between infection and long chain triglycerides found in the IV fat emulsions. So what are the practical applications of that principle? Should we be avoiding IV fat emulsions in infected or septic patients?
2: That's a very good question. And it's a topic that has actually been evaluated in one of the recent guidelines that has been published, the American Society of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition and the Society of Critical Care Medicine specifically addressed this question in their guideline published earlier this year. Noting the very low quality of evidence that currently exists in the literature, the guideline suggests withholding soybean-based IV fat emulsions during the first week following initiation of parenteral nutrition in the critically ill patient, or potentially considering limiting that IV fat emulsion to a maximum of 100 grams per week, typically divided in two doses per week, if there's concern for essential fatty acid deficiency. Based on expert opinion, the current guidelines suggests that the use of alternative IV fat emulsions be considered in the critically ill patient who is appropriate candidate for parental nutrition, though it provides no recommendation as to what specific type of alternative IV fat emulsion could be used or should be used.
0: You also mentioned that a major complication that can be associated with prolonged usage of IV fat emulsion is the parenteral nutrition associated liver disease. So what role do IV fat emulsions themselves have in the development of this condition?
2: The development of parenteral nutrition associated liver disease is a challenging complication that stems from numerous components of the parenteral nutrition formulation, not just the IV fat emulsion, but it can potentially be related to the specific IV fat emulsion that is selected. This adverse effect can become a life-threatening disorder and can be of particular concern in patients receiving prolonged parenteral nutrition, potentially leading to the development of cirrhosis and end-stage liver disease, even needing or necessitating liver transplantation. The development of parenteral nutrition-associated liver disease is complex and there are numerous different aspects of the selected IV fat emulsion that are related to the development of this complication. And these do include, but aren't limited to, the phytosterol content of the particular product that's chosen, the oil base of the IV fat emulsion that has been selected, and the particular dose of the IV fat emulsion administered.
0: Dr. Sterry, I want to direct a few questions at you. Uh, First of all, in your paper, you categorize and you talk about the different generations of IV fat emulsion. What features tend to define those different generations?
1: Sure. The American Society for Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition published a position paper back in 2012 describing the clinical role for the alternative oil fat emulsions. And within this paper, they discussed the generational terms that were used to describe the different alternative oil fat emulsions in this particular review article. The generations are useful because they allow for an easy distinction among the different formulations of the alternative oil IVFEs. Each generation is associated with a specific fatty acid derivative or derivative combination. The generation differentiation also provides a context to easily category the inflammatory response of each of the different formulations of intravenous fat emulsions. In general, first generation products are pro-inflammatory, second and third generation products are inflammatory neutral, and fourth generation products are anti-inflammatory.
0: My next question, Dr. Steer, is kind of multi-level. So we know that while there are some various IV fat emulsions that are available internationally, can you kind of tell us which products are available in the U.S.? And specifically, I believe the FDA just approved a new lipid formulation for use in the U.S. So what can you tell our listeners about those new products and if there's any stipulations for use, or do we expect to see any additional IV fat emulsions to be released in the U.S. anytime soon?
1: When our article was submitted for publication, only first-generation products were available and marketed in the United States. However, on July 13th of this year, so just a couple weeks ago, the FDA approved Smothlipid, and this is a Fresenius copy product, and this is to be manufactured and marketed in the United States. And per the manufacturer, this product should be available for patient use in mid-August of this year. So this will be the first fourth generation IVFE product that's available to the United States adult population. Being that this is a new development, the smoth lipid data within the review article only applies to the overseas product and not to the newly approved US smoth lipid product. And for example, The biggest difference between the two is the U.S. product is not indicated for use in pediatric populations at this time. The FDA has stipulated some additional pediatric clinical trials to the manufacturer before decisions are made regarding the labeled use of this product in this particular population. According to the FDA acceptance letter to Fresenius Kabi, the pediatric studies are deferred for submission to the FDA until about 2019, so more information to follow on that. Otherwise, I haven't heard of any other new products that are going to be released soon in the United States.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Beesbor and Dr. Steer, for sharing your expertise with our listeners and invite our readers to find out more about IDFAN emulsions and related topics and the October 2016 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice.